and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. I wasn't ready for the start of this one. <laughs> Scramble. All right, this is Tim and Friends. It's Wednesday, June 16th, another busy day in the world of sports, and we're here for it, at least just in time. Hump day. <laughs> yes, little hump day edition of Tim and Friends. I'm Tim McAuliffe. With me, as always, as you heard, Jesse Rubinoff, and we are here, as always, accountable to you, at Tim and Friends on Twitter and Instagram. So much to talk about today. Uh, the Habs and Golden Knights continue their series in Vegas, one night after the Lightning even things up with the Isles and the NBA. KD has the game for the ages, but it's being overshadowed by massive news surrounding Kawhi and Chris Paul heading into tonight, a pair of critical game fives. The Blue Jays' bullpen blows it again while Major League Baseball is once again engulfed in a largely self-inflicted controversy. Canada's men's soccer team takes a huge step towards exercising its demons. Euro 2020 and 2021 continues. The U.S. Open starts tomorrow. Felix Auger-Aliassime beats Roger Federer on grass today. I mean the surface, not the substance. Got it good. And since you understood, it's a good thing. We are with you for the full two hours on all platforms. Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and streaming on Sportsnet. Now, this should be fun. I should game two between the Habs and the Golden Knights happening tonight in Las Vegas. Coverage on Sportsnet starts 8.30 Eastern time. The big question for Montreal is, will Jeff Petrie be back in the lineup? Petrie was on the ice this morning, though we've seen that before. Dom Ducharme said he, along with Jake Evans and John Merrill, would likely be game time decisions. Any other three... Um... If they play, it's because they're 100% or really close to. Uh, Jeff is, uh, we know uh, the type of player he is. He's skating well, moving the puck well. He's, he's good defending. So he's, being, uh, he's been one of our best defensemen. So obviously having him back is, would be, a, would be a, a, a positive thing for our team. But uh, you know, we're, we, we, need to, we need 20 guys to be uh, playing well tonight. Jesse, game time decision actually a game time decision or just code for we don't want to tell you? It's the playoffs. It's code. Everything's <laughs> right. in code. The yeah, playoffs. Everything's in yeah. code. <laughs> uh, we got you covered with everything you need to know to get you set for tonight's game. Kevin BX and Anthony Stewart will both join me in hour number two. Plus, we'll go live to Vegas to check in with Sean McKenzie, his shorts, and John Morosi. That's right. That John Morosi double dipping on loan from the MLB network to the NHL network and maybe... Maybe we'll ask him about baseball's crackdown on foreign substances and the backlash that is coming from pitchers hard and fast. Mercifully, we're allowing them to join us from inside T-Mobile Arena. Temperatures in Vegas approaching 50 degrees Celsius. That's right. I said 50. Okay. Maybe 45, depending where you look. Either way... It's hotter than a steel playground at recess. It's hotter than Satan's mixtape. It's hotter than a Jays fan thinking about the bullpen. Mm, that's hot. 
It's hotter than a hot pocket left in the microwave for two minutes too long. Ever bite into one of those, Jesse? Literally did it last weekend. Hot pocket? Yeah, it was a hot too pocket. Long. Yeah. Burn. Is there anything worse than burning your tongue in the top of the roof of your mouth? Yeah. Maybe stepping on a Lego. Yeah. Those two bad. things. When you burn the roof of your mouth so much that it hangs down, do you ever oh. get that one? I mean, that's rare. That, that doesn't happen all the that's time. That's extremely but, hot, but, but it does happen. Why does the cheese get so hot? I don't get it. Like, I don't want to, you don't have to delve into a physics conversation. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, like I don't know science. the answer to that. Yeah. But if someone does. It's like, yeah, hit us up. At Tim and Friends. Why on, does the cheese get so hot inside of a pizza box? <laughs> why the hell does the cheese get like, so hot? It just doesn't seem hot? necessary. It boils. Yeah. It boils. They're, they're hanging down the roof. Thanks for that visual. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Do I ever. Hasn't happened to me in a long time. That's but good. It did. Oh. It was almost as bad as that story I told you when I tried to hurdle the football player. While okay. playing oh, football, no. No. I don't know where I think that else you would. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he got caught halfway through with mm. his helmet. Yeah, yeah. All right. Either way, it was way hot. worse. Way worse. Hotter than Twitter on last night's officiating in the Lightning Isles game. It got me in the uh, the lower regions. Mm. Never mind. Had to clarify. For those who missed it, Isles and Bolts featured a terrible goaltender interference call on Braden Point that led to the Islanders' first goal, but they made up for it later by allowing Lightning to score with seven <laughs> men on the ice, leading to Barry Trotz dropping F-bombs like he was on Satan's mixtape. Uh, kids, please don't read lips. Uh, don't read like captions either because we put those <laughs> out there. Yeah. How many? Have a look. Not sure what he was On saying. On what goal? This goal. We know what he was saying. <laughs> he was, you bleeped up is what he was saying. I'm not sure who was more upset, Trots or Blue Jays fans, after watching the bullpen blow yet another lead last night against the Yankees. Jays' bullpen has now accounted for 16 <laughs> losses on the season. That is third most in the American League and is bad enough to make Jesse chuckle. Apparently, Charlie Montoyo not chuckling and sick of answering the questions about it. Seems like every day I get a question, so what's wrong with Castro? What's wrong with Chadwood? Or now it's Dolis. What's wrong with Dolis? Why are you pitching Dolis in that inning? It's, just, it's been every f***ing month. I mean, the whole month about the same thing, you know? The guys, which, the, the guy, we're going to give him a chance. You know, Castro, we need Castro to pitch good. Chadwood was good today. Dolis, we need him, you know, Romano came in, gave up a double. He's still going to pitch, you know. These are who we got, and we're going to trust him. You know, these are who we got, you know. And we've been in every game. As you know, we've been in every game. Just the bullpens are doing the job. But you know what? They're going to get a chance again tomorrow. I'm not saying Montoyo hasn't made some bad decisions when it comes to the bullpen or ones that you could re-examine and look back at, but it kind of feels like we're feeding the fed horse at this point. You're welcome, Peter. I said it yesterday. Bullpen needs to be addressed, and this is on the front office at this point. For all the credit that we have given them for the roster and the, the, the young kids doing damage, it feels like anything is better than most of what we have seen from this bullpen outside that opening month. I mean, we talk about the bullpen. To me, Charlie was saying the same thing. I know the cussing distracts people. It's kind of, whoa, Charlie just swore. But what I thought Charlie was actually saying is, what do you want me to do? Have you seen what I'm working with? At least that's what I got. Maybe I'm projecting, and maybe I'm not. Game two against the Yankees goes tonight on Sportsnet 1. Starting with Blue Jay Central, 6.30 Eastern. Jesse, 
What if I said to you, Nate Pearson should go up to the big club and come out of the bullpen, like a couple innings guy at least? I know he's on limited innings anyway this year. Mm. Or would that stunt his growth as a starter to do that to him and bring him up to the big club? Because at this point, like, you've got to try something, no? Not with Nate Pearson because he hasn't been that good in the minors yet. He had one good start in his last start, five scoreless. Still struggling with walks, though, and it's a bit of a mechanics issue, so he's trying to refine his delivery a little bit. So now is not the time. He's pitching tonight again for Buffalo, but you got to let him work out the kinks down in the minors, and they're stretching him out. He's pitching five innings, six innings. Mm -hmm. Bringing him up now when he hasn't yet figured it out I don't think is the right move, but something does need to be done, clearly. I will accept that answer Mm. on this day, and I also tell you that along with Nate Pearson pitching, for the Trenton slash Buffalo yep. Bisons, um, George Springer will play tonight, though it'll DH after playing center field yesterday. I don't know about that. And you know how I feel about when DH again. DH in. Uh, hopefully, there was nothing there, and we'll just wait. Don't like it to hear the next thing. Don't like it. So much to talk about in the NBA. Uh, less than 12 hours after Kevin Durant turned in quite possibly the greatest game of his career. And this is an MVP we're talking about, like a legendary tell-your-kids-about performance. Yeah, well, it's already overshadowed. By this morning, when the league woke up to the shocking news about Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard, CP3 has entered the league's COVID-19 health and safety protocols and will be sidelined indefinitely now. The Suns are currently awaiting the winner of the Clippers and Jazz series in the Western Conference Finals. So Paul's status up in the air for the series, unclear whether or not he's been vaccinated. But under the league's protocols, isolation period could be shorter for a vaccinated player. And there are reports suggesting that he did get the vaccination. So he could miss no time or he could get caught in this 10-day grinder. If he misses time here... He could take the crown as the most cursed sports entity. I believe the Leafs currently own that moniker, but there are several contenders. And if Paul's out for an extended period of time, he's one of those contenders. So that's one of the two pieces of news. The other, Kawhi Leonard, out for tonight's Game 5 against the Jazz with a knee injury. Status for the rest of the playoffs now in serious doubt. Clippers announced today... Kawhi suffered a right knee sprain late in their Game 4 win. Uh, If you watched the highlights, you saw it. And according to reports, there are fears that it could be an ACL injury. Team said there is no timetable for his return. And obviously, that is as big a blow as you can take if you are the Los Angeles Clippers. No chance now, right? Well, Paul George... You wanted redemption. All you got to do is pull a Durant. <laughs> Injuries have been a huge story in these playoffs and really all season. Kawhi and CP3 joining Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Joel Embiid, Trey Young, Mike Connolly on the list of players either out or playing through injury. That's just the remaining teams in the NBA playoffs. Never mind Jamal Murray, Anthony Davis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is the old school yada, yada, yada. This is survival at this point. Survive and advance. And Jesse, I heard while I was driving into work today that LeBron went on a bit of a Twitter rant about all these injuries. What's he saying? Popping off a little bit. Uh, LeBron tweeting out three consecutive tweets. Number one, 
They all didn't want to listen to me about the start of the season. I knew exactly what would happen. I only wanted to protect the well-being of the players, which ultimately is the product and benefit of our game. These injuries isn't just part of the game. It's the lack of pure rim rest before starting back up. Eight, possibly nine All-Stars have missed playoff games most in league history. This is the best time of the year for our league and fans, but missing a ton of our favorite players. It's insane. If there's one person that knows about the body and how it works all year round, it's me. I speak for the health of all our players, and I hate to see this many injuries this time of year. Sorry, fans. Wish you guys were seeing all your fave guys right now. So a little bit of... Uh, Patting himself on the back for seeing it coming. A little bit of uh, humble brag that he spends a million dollars on his body per year. So, so you're not buying any of it? Oh, I am. He's got a great point. <laughs> okay. That, yeah. I just, you were, I'm just saying it's just, mix, it's just a very LeBron way of going about saying what he had to say. Yeah, you're mixing the douchebaggery yeah. with the actual exactly. content of the... Oh, he's right. Can I say this, though? Like, the Players Association, Chris Paul, had a say in this. Like, the players collectively bargained how many games they were going to get paid for in what they knew would be a condensed schedule. Mm -hmm. So there's some give and take here. A, yeah, it's revisionist history. Because the players wanted to make money, too. Like, the, the whole league wanted to make money. They wanted to play. Right. And, and LeBron might be okay with his bank. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the guy who you know, played for the league minimum for just this year and might not be able to get another year out of it is in the same boat as him. Definitely not. And the PA is culpable here. They're the ones, they represent the players, and the players negotiated this. And LeBron's in one spot, but there's a bunch of different players in a bunch of different spots. I'll tell you, Timmy, I don't think he'd be tweeting this out if it was Lakers-Clippers right now and Kawhi just went out with an injury. I just don't see that happening. It's just it's it, it's very it's, it's very interesting to me yeah. that the players who and listen I get it I understand it I see the same thing and I lean the same way you want to protect your players because it brings a, a better product but they were also part of the decision making sure. here and now you're circling back and saying I, told I think everyone's you so. just angry it, it's because it's just it, everyone's bitter because it, it does suck you want to see these guys playing yeah. The world around. Everyone loses. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, not just basketball yeah. players, not just basketball. Just everybody's a yeah. little bitter right now, and I understand why. <laughs> uh, we've got both game fives tonight on Sportsnet 360. Hawks and Sixers followed by Clippers and Jazz. And listen, these narratives have moved very quickly in the NBA. Uh, everyone was writing off the Nets, and then they got that performance from Durant tonight. Now everyone's writing off the Bucks. So don't write any of these games off based on what you've seen. The rest of the history of the NBA playoffs suggest you might get a little bit something different. It all gets underway 7.30 Eastern, and we're not done. Before the hockey talk to set you for Montreal and Vegas, we'll talk more hoops. Kenny the Jet Smith coming up. Michael Grains in just a few minutes. And we might even squeeze in a little Canada basketball talk as our national team is getting set for Victoria. And speaking of our national teams, it was a historic night. For the Canadian men's soccer team as they advance to the final round of World Cup qualifying for the first time in 24 years. 3-0 win over Haiti last night in the greater Chicagoland area. I told y'all it was the dawn of a new day for Canadian soccer kids. Yes, it's been long and at times torturous for Canadian soccer fans. And there was still trepidation, even fear from longtime supporters. But if you needed proof 
that the curse was over, maybe even reversed. Just check out the first goal from last night. The demons are gone. No, no, look out. What a mistake. Can you believe that happened? Oh, my word. The most unlikely of goals you will ever see. Cue the blooper reel. <laughs> Man. As a keeper, that hurts to the soul. Like, remember I said stepping on Lego, burning the roof of your mouth? Mm. None of that compares to what we just saw. Oh, that is by far the worst thing that we've encountered today. And then Gareth Wheeler had to add on top of it in the call that he was born in Canada, suggesting that maybe... Yeah, the conspiracy theorists were out. I I don't think he was suggesting it, but a lot of people took it that way. Uh, it's a tough one. Who cares? Canada for nothing <laughs> on aggregate and advances to what used to be known as the hex. Now it's, I don't know, the oct, the octagon, whatever you want to call it. Eight final teams from CONCACAF. It's huge and a big step in the right direction for our men's national team. Top three teams from the final eight will qualify for next year's World Cup, while the fourth-place team moves on to another playoff. Next round gets underway in September, and hopefully, hopefully, Canadian fans will be able to cheer on the boys in person. Who do they get first? Fittingly, Honduras. Dawn of a new day, I tell you. Dawn of a new day. Honduras beat them 8-1 last time there. This goes, never mind. It's the dawn of of a new day. All right, time for our first break. I was going to have a chat with Jesse, but I don't think we have the time. No, we went long there. Yeah. yeah we're talking about other things. No, it's things. all good. You do you. All right, uh, Jesse, I apologize. We're supposed to have that <laughs> conversation. Still to come, a full tee up game two between the Habs, Golden Knights in Vegas. Anthony Stewart, Kevin BX, Sean McKenzie, John Paul Morosi, all on the way. Plus, after the break, a crazy news day in the NBA after Kevin Durant went off last night. Plus, Canada basketball opens their Olympic qualifying training camp. Kenny Smith on the way. Michael Grange next on Tim and Friends. A Wednesday edition. Champ out. The land fires. And hits. With the shot clock running down. He hits from downtown. He's the best. He's the best player in the world right now. Kucherov circles. Holds on. Now centered alone. Scores. Andre Tampa Bay responds, and they took it to the New York Islanders. Legal or illegal? (laughs) Typical MLB, they just messed the whole thing up. I had to change everything I've been doing the entire season. I'm telling you, I truly believe that's why I got hurt. It's hard to see this when you're giving out 10-game suspensions, but you give the Astros no, no suspensions at all. And right now, KD is just putting his head down, attacking Durant. Yes, this is a classic game for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant took over here in this second half. Tough shot after tough shot after tough shot. Now Durant fires and hits with the shot clock running down. He hits from downtown. 
and he knows it feels good. Durant, one shy of his playoff career high of 50 points. A legendary performance, incredible to see. One of the best scorers to ever play the game. He's the best player in the world right now. In Milwaukee, I don't know if they like that comment. Either way, <laughs> it's the kind of game that forces the haters to eat it with a knife and fork. 49, 17, and 10. First ever 45, 15, and 10 in the NBA playoffs. And he added a few on each of those. And guess what? He had to do it. An impressive performance from Kevin Durant. Joining me now to talk a little basketball for the next 30 minutes or so as we cover off ball both north and south of the border. Canada's basketball camp is underway in Florida. Star of Sportsnet Web and TV, the one and only Michael Grange. What's up, Michael? It's all good, Timothy. Are you, all good. Are you, uh, there's no one in your house that can give you a haircut? Like, are you just waiting? Listen, I know I don't have these problems. You but don't like my hair? I'm <laughs> just wondering, like, can someone... I'm loving just, my hair right now. Do you like it? Yeah? Uh, yeah. <laughs> just the, don't care. Uh, I just don't care. I uh, no. I actually did uh, did kind of cut my bangs today all by myself. I don't know if that worked out well. The timing. Or not. You cut your own bangs. Yeah, nice. had to. Had nice. to. Like you know. So yeah. But I, uh, I would say I know the feeling, Michael. But. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh, all right, we're going to talk Canada basketball. But let's start with the news that the basketball uh, world woke up to. Kawhi out for game five tonight, maybe the series. Chris Paul enters COVID protocols. Like, which story is bigger to you? Oh, Kawhi, for sure. I mean, I think Chris Paul, uh, it's, it sounds like something that's not going to keep him out really long. Obviously, we don't know when the conference finals are going to start. Um, as long as it doesn't sort of infiltrate the rest of the Suns, I think you can be optimistic that he's going to, you know, he's going to be back sooner than later. Um, you know, the Kawhi injury is massive. I mean, he's, you know, you know we're going to be talking to Kevin Durant. We saw him off the top. And if, if Kevin Durant's not the best player in the world right now, it's probably Kawhi Leonard. And to see him kind of move like that, it's, it's a kind of concerning looking injury. And if he's not ready to go, I mean, I think uh, the Clippers are, you know, I, I don't see them getting past Utah. So I, I think that's the bigger story for sure. The, the Paul George aspect of this, like, there's no chance he can do what Durant did last night. Oh, I wouldn't say no chance. I just think that they're playing, uh, you know, maybe a, a better team. I think hmm. Utah is, is playing, or at least team, a team that's playing better right now. And so I think for Paul George to do that on his own um, is a lot to ask. Um, you know, you know all, all these guys, I mean, Paul George is taking his lumps in the playoffs, and, and, and this would be a chance for him to, you know, snap back a lot of people. And he's certainly a capable player. But, I mean, it's the, this is a, you know, Kawhi Leonard is, is not a kind of player you can easily replace. So I guess the flip side of it to me is a good question is, is – you know, when you're a player of Paul George's caliber, you're looking for an opportunity like that. You're looking maybe for a chance to just to let it all hang out and and you know it's all got to come through you. And some guys, sometimes you can rise to an occasion like that. But I would think that uh, the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard on both sides of the ball, um, that's a really tall order for them to get past Utah. All right, at this point, I hope Chris Paul took the vaccine so that he doesn't have to wait uh, the extended period of time, which could be up to 10 days and miss a couple of games. If he misses any type of games in this Western Conference final, is he just among the most cursed basketball players on planet Earth? 
Oh, it's amazing. I mean, you go through his playoff resume and it's either him getting hurt or an essential player on his team getting hurt or both of them getting hurt. I mean, it was one year that him and Blake Griffin uh, were injured in the first round. And, uh, you know, the hamstring, I think, is this, the saddest one of all, right? I mean, people forget that was a 65-win Houston team that was up 3-1 on the defending champs, uh, Golden State Warriors. And he, you know, they have this huge win to go up 3-2. And he, he hurts his hamstring, like, in the last minute of the game. And he's out for game six and seven, they lose. And that's the end of that. And so I think, um, you know, I come down with, with COVID and, and look, he just seems like way too worldly a person not to be vaccinated. Like that's a general, a huge generalization. I probably shouldn't say it. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, if, if he is somehow uh, has been vaccinated and this, is, this somehow derails him and derails his son, it's hard to imagine a more a more 2021 basketball story. And it's also hard to imagine a story that reflects more acutely on the uh, bad luck that has prevented Chris Paul from getting his rightful where he should be as a guy with multiple NBA rings. With the injuries to the Nets, is this as wide open as you've ever seen it? It's been wide open like since the playoffs started, right? This whole season has been wide open. And um, clearly, with the Nets being down to 1.25 superstars, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. What, I, what do you I would agree with that. Yeah, maybe 1.3. 1. 1. 1. 1. 1. 1.3. Like, I mean, you know, good, you know, like someone was saying to me, you know, can you imagine that uh, James Harden played 46 minutes last night with that? Well, he didn't do anything. He could have played 106 minutes. Uh, no disrespect to James Harden, but I mean, he was really limited. Yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, you go through even Utah, right? They're without Mike Conley. He was a big part of them, kind of, you know, his struggles last year were a big reason. I don't think Utah reached the peaks that I thought they would reach. I thought they were going to, could have done what they did this year, a year ago, but Mike Conley was not that player. He had a really good season this year. And sure enough, right at that moment where here's another player who's, you know, probably hasn't had the career defining moments that, that his ability and longevity suggest he should have. Um, and, you know, he's out for probably the most important game in Utah's franchise history, at least since John Stockton and Carl Malone were running pick and roll. Uh, Michael Grange joining us here on Tim and Friends. Uh, Kenny Lee Jett Smith is going to join us in mere moments from now. We'll ask him where he ranks that KD performance from last night and kind of focusing on the injuries and what LeBron James is saying and how that was collectively bargained. But I want to talk to Michael about a little Canada basketball before Kenny Lee Jett joins us. And 12 days away from Canada basketball, tipping off their qualifying tournament in Victoria. And while I was telling folks to forget about uh, Canada's soccer history and the gruesome, tedious way it has gone, I was hoping I would do the exact same thing for Canada basketball before Victoria. Do any of the ins or outs change your opinion on Canada's chances in this qualifying tournament? Well, you'd like them, you'd like to have more... Uh, you'd like to have everyone. First of all, if he did have everyone, I think this team, you know, his destiny would be to be competing for a gold medal. I mean, it, it would be the second best team in the world, at least on paper. Um, and what's incredible about that is they can have some of the players that aren't there and you can still have what I think is probably going to go down or be recognized as the best or most talented team Canada's ever put on a floor. Uh, they should have seven uh, NBA players They'll have at least nine NBA, nine players with NBA experience. And then when you go through 
some of the European players or international players. Um, there's guys playing in top leagues, playing key roles, and I think we'll be able to complement that core very well. So I am optimistic. I still think that they're the most uh, talented team that's going to be in Victoria. They're just not as talented as they could be. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I'm kind of well past um, sort of assigning blame or trying to suggest that, that, you know, like there's just too many circumstances going on to kind of really without knowing for sure, you know, why players are player, why players are or are not playing. But I think you really got to say, look, guys like Dwight Powell, Melvin Edgem, uh, Corey Joseph, and, and you know, I'm, there's numbers, a number of Phil Scrub, there's a number of others I'm going to skip over who are going to be here. And, you know, it's a seven-week commitment if they, yeah. if they advance out of, um, out of Victoria. And it's seven weeks in a bubble. This is not, you know, seven weeks together and they get to go and have good times wherever city they're in. Um, you know, it's seven weeks of hotels, seven weeks of daily testing, um, you know, seven weeks of really being only amongst themselves and in the midst of a sport is going to, again, be a shortened NBA season and a shortened international season. Um, you know, you really got to give credit to the people and the players who are going to put in the time. That goes for Nick Nurse, too. And I know uh, he spoke among others today. What would you take from Nick Nurse's uh, media availability today? I thought it was great. I think he's really excited. Um, you know, I had a story on sportsnet.ca talking where I talked to Nick and, and also Chris Finch and a couple of other people who were around Nick when he coached at the Olympics in 2012 for Britain and our Great Britain. And, you know, and his takeaway. Uh, from that experience, he coached with the British national team for five years. Like they were kind of rose from the ashes and um, to get to the Olympics. And his takeaway is I have to get back here again. And just being, you know, at the Olympics, being in the Olympic Village, you know, having lunch beside Usain Bolt, um, watching world-class sports on any off night you might have, you know, it really kind of lit a fire in him, a little bug, you know, kind of he got the bug. And, you know, I think that's why he jumped at the opportunity to coach Canada and it was interesting. I thought the comments that really jumped out to me were, you know, just the amount of heart and soul, he said, that was evident among the players the minute they step onto the floor. And all these guys are pros and Nick's a pro. And, you know, I just think that it's very, very refreshing, kind of like a tonic almost for these guys when they yeah. do play for something other than the contract, when the guys on the team are completely aligned towards the same goal. It's not always perfect. It's not always seamless. But I think it is different than a job. And it's just unfortunate, I think, that, you know, because of the jobs they do have, they can't always kind of dip those water, dip their toes in those waters or go for a swim in them. And But Nick Nurse is clearly a guy who, who relishes the opportunity for what it is. And I think Canada is really lucky to have him. And it seems like there are a few guys who are just unable to play because of their situation and their free agent status that are still going to be with the team because – they care that much about the squad. Um, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but if the Bucks lose, do you know if Giannis is going to Victoria? There's been little indication, and what little indication there has been is he might, he will not play for Greece this summer. But again, there hasn't been much indication. So this is all just kind of reading the tea leaves, and the tea leaves are in Greek. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not going to suggest. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, I think uh, one of his brothers. Yeah. Uh, committed to the team. Uh, I saw that on Rick Pitino's uh, Twitter feed the other day. So, you know, maybe you can read in something into that. Maybe you can't. But I think, 
you also got to recognize like Nikola Jokic, who's from, you know, maybe the most basketball mad country in the world in Serbia. And, uh, you know, like what, imagine the pressure on him to be yeah. playing for his country. And he just had to say no mas. Like, I just can't do it. I played, he, he's played every single game this season, every single game in the, going back to the bubble. Something, and, uh, you know, and just yeah. comes out of a tough second round series. And, and, and so I think that's the challenge that all these players are facing. And we saw the injuries we've been seeing lately too. Yeah. That's another factor. Uh, Jokic is too busy uh, riding standard bred horses in Serbia right now, which was a wonderful picture if anyone saw it. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, Michael Grady is going to stick around and we're both going to talk to Kenny the Jet Smith, who joins our conversation. Is the healthiest team in the NBA going to win? Is Kevin Durant the best player in the NBA, as Giannis says? And a doubleheader at Game 5 on Sportsnet 360 tonight. We will tee it up next with one of the best. Kenny the Jet Smith, Tim McAuliffe, Michael Grange. It's Tim and Friends on Sportsnet. Tim and Friends already includes Michael Grange joining me for most of the first hour from his home in the greater Toronto area after what was unbelievable last 24 hours in and around the NBA playoffs. Here to help us wade through those waters is one of the absolute best in the business from the NBA on TNT, which is also one of the best in the business, like all sports. Kenny the Jet Smith. What up, Kenny? Good to be here. I'm in, I'm in here with head and shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> On my back, hair and shoulders. <laughs> hair, hair and shoulders. A, a little bit better than ours, Kenny. <laughs> no question. I was going to say, what, what's the two bald guy? You're killing the guy with hair? Is that right? Uh, no, you're, I, I'm, it's hair, head and shoulders. Like, there you got go. all the head, all the head, he's the shoulders. <laughs> he's got the shoulders. That's it. I, I need well, some of that. I need some. I'm not. I'm, not, uh, I'm vaccinated and fertilized. Up top. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we were talking about some of the storylines that the like basically the narrative has flipped on a bunch of different. I mean, you need look no further than the Bucks and the Nets. After Game Four, the Nets are done. After Game Five, the Bucks are done. Like, who is reeling the most? We can add Kawhi and the Clippers. We can whatever you want to go right now. Who's reeling the most? Like in the most trouble? Yeah. I I would say no one because, you know, the Atlanta Hawks tied up with no one's in trouble. It's like you you you're, they're doing what they're supposed to do, and uh, if you're going to be an NBA championship, if you're going to win an NBA championship, and you don't have any adversity adversity, then something wrong. The team with the most trouble is probably Denver. <laughs> they're done. <laughs> <laughs> they're done. But uh, everyone else, like. You, you, where you want to be, like, would you tell me I'm going to be 2-2 after four games? I don't care how I got there. I'm there. Like, I'm good. I'm good with that. If I'm going to be an NBA champion, you know, the, I was blessed to be on two NBA championship teams. We didn't, we weren't worried about being 2-2. Two and two. Like, never. Damn it. We was, sometimes we weren't worried about being 3-1 down. But hold so, on. But hold on. The Clippers just lost to Kim Olajuwon if we're, if we're comparing apples to apples. Well, you know, and we don't know how long. You know, right. can we get through a game with him? Yeah, we can. We can get through a game without a king. We can't get through a series. Right. You know, can we get? Can they get through a game without Kawhi? Yeah. Can they get through a series? No. Can they get through a playoff run? No. It was interesting that you know when he said after when he was asked, he said, "No, I'm gonna play. I'm ready. I'll be ready to play." And um, that's not accurate, obviously. 
Michael, your your thoughts on who's reeling the most or who might be in the most trouble? You know, I, I think I'm going to go a little counter. I think the Nets are still have to be a little worried here, right? Like you look what it took for them to beat the Bucks, and we've all been killing uh, the Bucks and Mike Budenholzer and and you know for everything they should be doing, but they still are a whole team, a complete team. Uh, that simply, in my mind, hasn't played all that well. But when they, you know, they have been able to, they were able to get wins against a really good Brooklyn team, even when they had uh, Kyrie Irving and, and of course, Kevin Durant. So if the Nets are relying on Kevin Durant to go for historic games and and then Jeff Green to do things he's never done in his career, to win games barely, and you're going back home, and, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the Bucks. You know, even down to the down three, two, like Kenny says, I don't think they're that worried. But I think if you're Brooklyn, you're like, right, can we do this another time? And if you're, you know, the Clippers, you're like, what are we going to do without Kawhi Leonard, even if he's only out for one game? Um, you know, and even though we were talking before with Utah, the, the, this isn't really Utah because they don't have a healthy Mike Conley right now. So I think um, there's, not a, there's not even a healthy um, Joel Embiid. So, like, yeah. this guy went 0 for 12 in the second half. There's no one that could be like, oh, we're, so we all have something, you know, right. that they're dealing with. So, this is the most interesting playoff in the, probably the history of the game where this many great players or teams don't have or not at full strength this late in the season. It's wide donkey open. And as you said that, I thought about LeBron going off on Twitter about scheduling and condensed schedules causing all of these injuries. Does he have a point, and could this be a problem between the league and the players, Kenny? I think it, it, it really does affect the player who has more responsibility. So, like, if, you, if you're carrying a heavy load, you know, if you have, you have, I'm not just a scorer for my team. I'm not just a three-point shooter. I'm not just the guy who sets the pace. But I set the pace, I dribble the ball up, and I score, and I have to rebound. Yeah, a condensed schedule will not be conducive for you. Uh, so LeBron James, uh, it's not conducive for him in year 19, of course. Uh, 100%. He's 100% accurate. Um, but there are, you know, there are certain guys like on Phoenix that they, they're great players, but they don't have all the responsibility. Right. Devin Booker, CP3, it's spread out. So they don't have the same energy maybe that, a LeBron or, or or Giannis or an AD or those guys have. So I do think it does take a bigger toll on them. Mike, this was collectively bargained. Like, how much is this on the Players Association as well? I mean, I think they, I, I think you got to make that point because it, you know, if you're just going by what LeBron James has said at various points, you know, he was saying kind of similar things around the All Star Game and before the the season even started. He, there's this implication that this is being imposed upon the players against their will. They don't have any agency in this. And the reality is they do. They have a very powerful player, player uh, players union. They're all represented by, you know, top-notch agents, most of them. So, you know, they're getting good advice, and they should be. Um, you know, there is a number in those called escrow, right? And right now that they're getting a lot of money withheld from the checks, the, the contracts they've negotiated, and it would be a lot more if the league wasn't able to deliver what they have delivered in terms of finishing the season in the bubble, in terms of being able to play a 72-game season, in terms of trying to resume 
to a normal season next year. And I would I would say that I think, you know, what they've done so far has been roughly what's necessary in order to keep, you know, the, the milk flowing, so to speak. Everyone has benefited from that or at least not been harmed as much as they could have been. I think what's interesting from LeBron James's comments is as next season approaches rapidly, can there be some kind of adjustments? Can there be some kind of give back, um, some kind of compromise so that, you know, they're not, you know, going to camp September 28th after another short off season with an Olympics in the middle of it. All right. Don't let me, uh, don't let me dwell on the negativity here, Kenny. Uh, where does Durant's performance rank in your holy bleep moments? Because everyone in the gym knew he had to do it and he still did it. To me, that was as impressive as I've seen from him. Oh, from him, yes. I think it was definitely um, because he, he also had to be a facilitator. Uh, I thought that was going to be his most difficult job, to rebound and to facilitate and to score. Uh, he had 17 rebounds and 10 assists. That was more impressive to me than the 49 points because we know he's a scorer and we know he can get to the basket. But can he facilitate and create a pace for the game and create pace for others to thrive in? Uh, obviously, you know, having Harden just bringing the ball up at times helped him. Um, but that was being a facilitator and a rebounder was more impressive than 49 because I knew he would take the bulk load of shots to possibly get it. But I didn't know if he can get you get me 10 assists. So that doesn't rank though among like the greatest all time. Like, is that a legacy built? Greatest all time? No, come on. If they, I if, mean, it, it's 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 a great performance. But you know, didn't Will Chamberlain average fifty for like a playoff series? Like he averaged fifty. Like yeah, I, I, I can't, you know, I can't. Yeah, I can't just you know be like they're like all oh, the inflated numbers. Well, so is the three point line, you know, and so is the had no hand check. So it, like. There, I, I would do, not do justice to the Oscar Robertsons, the Magic Johnsons, the Michael Jordans, and all the guys that played to say this is one of the greatest performances. Maybe this is the greatest performance my son has ever seen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like that. I mean. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Mike. If, if they win this series, if Brooklyn wins this series, and that's a big if right now, what's the reexamination in Milwaukee or – are we just coming, blaming it on Mike Budenholzer and moving on? Well, they got to fire the coach. Um, you know, it's a harsh thing to say, but, you know, that's just the reality. You can't fumble the way they have in the playoffs after the regular seasons they've had and with the lineups and investments they've made. That's the next change that's going to come. And it probably should come anyway, I think. Um, but I think that there's got to be an honest appraisal by Giannis Antetokounmpo about where, where his game falls short. And... What can he do to, you know, kind of find a way to race in these moments? Because what I've seen, and I maybe I'd be guilty of not maybe appreciating this so much in the past, because you get so wowed by his energy and his dominance and the, the, the way he can just take over games all regular season long, is there are, you know, there's a lack of feel there. There's a, some gaps in his skill. And I'm not just talking about his ability to shoot. Um, that he has to come to grips with if he's going to be at the next level, or he's got to find a way to uh, maybe step back in his role so they're not completely relying on him the way they do and and kind of use his athletic abilities in a slightly different way to enhance the group. But something does have to change there, and probably more than one thing. 
Kenny, would you re-examine the two-time MVP here? No, I, I, I agree with you, but I, 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 I disagree in certain areas. Only this. I'm not going to say anyone should be fired or not, but you can, he could change his philosophy. You know, I think Bud has to change his philosophy uh, if they don't win this series or even if they want to go further in it, um, to me. Um, there's not a great player that is not associated with a great coach other than LeBron James. He's the only guy in the whole history of the world that you don't connect the coach to. Michael Jordan wasn't Michael before Phil Jackson got there. You know, Pat Riley made Magic Johnson when they got Paul Westhead. That, that it, it just they coach you into a different mindset. Um, I could go down the line. You know, all the great players that's ever played the game. They're they're con- Isaiah Thomas till Chuck Daly took over the P- Detroit Pistons. Isaiah Thomas was leading the league in scoring. He wasn't playing great basketball, team basketball, and they teach you things. That is, it's a philosophy which will not allow every player, even Michael Jordan, had deficiencies. Even Michael Jordan had deficiencies. I'll say it again. Yeah. Even Michael Jordan had deficiencies. <laughs> but your coach hides all of those things. He hides them. And they only shows your superpowers. <laughs> and Giannis at times, his superpowers, we see, we see, but we also see the kryptonite. Uh, My kryptonite is time. We have run out of it. I appreciate both of you for doing this, and uh, we'll do it again soon with both of you. There you go, brother. Head and shoulders. (laughs) Uh, I wish. Be well, everybody. There is uh, Kenny the Jet Smith in Atlanta, Michael Grange in Toronto. After the break, we shift the focus to game two from Vegas. That's right. Can the Canadians bounce back against a red-hot Vegas team? Momentum is shift. We welcome Anthony Stewart. For hour number two, Kevin Bieksa joins us as well. It's a hump day here on Tim and Fans. Sheepdogs, off we go. Hour number two, Tim and friends. Plenty of friends stopping by in this hour number two. Anthony Stewart will be here for the long haul, just a flash. Plus, Kevin Biaxa, as well as John Paul Morosi, Sean McKenzie from Vegas, which is exactly where we start this hour. Montreal Canadiens will try and even up their series after losing game one, 4 1. See it on Sportsnet and CBC 9 Eastern. Hockey Central pregame, 8 30 Eastern. Dom Deschamps said this morning it's possible Jeff Petrie returns to the lineup. He skated on a fourth D pairing at the morning skate. Jake Evans, John Merrill, also possibilities too. Here is Dominic Deschamps. Any of the three. Um... If they play, it's because they're uh, 100% or really close to. Uh, Jeff is, uh, we know uh, the type of player he is. He's skating well, moving the puck well. He's, he's good defending. So he's, being, uh, he's been one of our best defensemen. So obviously having him back is, would be, a, would be a, a, a positive thing for our team. But, uh, you know, we're, we, we, need to, we need 20 guys to be uh, playing well tonight. Anthony Stewart, Kevin Bieksa, as mentioned, coming up in moments. 
Plenty of pregame coverage on the way. Meantime, the Jays searching for answers in the bullpen after another gut-punching loss last night, throwing a 5-2 lead uh, in the seventh inning against the Yankees. And tonight, they get to face Garrett Cole. Ross Stripling starts for the Jays against Cole. Blue Jays Central gets you set. Sportsnet 1, Sportsnet now, 6 p.m. Eastern. News from Charlie Montoya today. TJ Zoik will get the start tomorrow in Stephen Matt's rotation place. Matt's on the COVID list remains asymptomatic. Meantime, George Springer looked healthy in his first AAA game last night, playing five innings in center, but he will DH tonight. And the Jays will look to even the series with the Yankees with a slightly different lineup than usual. First five remain the same. Then it's Joe Panic at third. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. DHing again. Biggio bats eighth while playing right field. Reese McGuire will be behind the plate, hitting ninth for your Bluebirds. All right, check this out. On grass, Montreal native, Felix Auger-Lessine playing his career lifelong idol. For the first time, Roger Federer. Never before faced a player born in the 2000s. The two actually share the same birthday, August 8th, Federer 19 years before Ali Asim. After the 39-year-old Federer took the first set, Oje Ali Asim hits a pair of lovely forehands, breaks the lead 4-2 shortly after. Felix serving for the set, drop volley at the net. 20-year-old wins the set 6-3, so they go to do a third and deciding set. And Oje Ali Asim cracks a winner off the serve. Another break. Next game, Felix consolidates the break by firing four straight aces. The Canadian 37 winners, 15 unforced errors, and he beats his idol 4-6, 6-3, 6-2 in what's got to be the biggest win of his career. Terrible news for the Clippers earlier today and NBA fans as a whole. It's feared Kawhi Leonard has an ACL injury, which means he's out indefinitely, obviously. Kawhi was hurt late in game four when driving to the bucket. Clippers and Jazz play game five of their series tonight. Tied at two. More bad news. The Suns' Chris Paul also out indefinitely after entering the NBA's health and safety protocols. Still no official word if Paul tested positive for COVID or not. Suns say they will give a further update on Saturday. Suns are awaiting the winner of the Jazz Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. NBA doubleheader right here on Sportsnet 360 tonight. It starts game five between the Hawks and the Sixers in Philly. Series tied at two. That's 7.30 Eastern, followed by game five. Utah series also tied at two as the Clippers try to rally without Kawhi. Both those games, Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now. Back to hockey, and Jason Spezza is returning to the Leafs on another league minimum deal. 38-year-old was big for the Leafs, especially in the postseason. After they exited at the hands of the Canadians, Spezza was, quote, said there was, quote, a lot of unfinished business. He will get to finish that business, or at least try to, in Toronto. Like Grange in the first hour, my next guest was kind enough to hang around for an extended period of time, or at least he's agreed to it. And while Ken Reed and his trophy, which usually occupy this time slot, I'm happy to announce his 
replacement is a former NHLer, always a Scarborough Ute, ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Stewart. What's good, Stewie? I'm doing well. I got a quick impression for you before we get started. Okay. Here's my impression of Colby Armstrong. We had, we had some technical difficulties with Colby Armstrong <laughs> yesterday, and he was frozen for great periods of time. All right, let's go. <laughs> it was not, and Colby wasn't frustrated at all. <laughs> Trust me, it's happened sometimes in Hockey Night in Canada, and I've actually texted him, and when I'm telling you he loses his mind, he loses his mind. I'm not surprised if he didn't flip a table and <laughs> quit on the spot. It's the most frustrating thing, technically, technical difficulties. I have a BlackBerry, so I know exactly what he's going through. <laughs> All right, there's Anthony Stewart and his BlackBerry and his big pen, and I can't find my big pen today, so I'm, I may be out of the brotherhood. Uh, not just Stewie, though, in the fold here. Like LL Cool J, we're going back to Cali to bring in the beautiful mind of Kevin Bieksa, and I have to explain that in a in a second, but we joins now from the home office in California. Thanks for doing this, Kevin. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I have no idea where you're going with that. But how about Stewie? He's the only guy that still has that multicolored pen. No, not many not. people using that thing anymore, right, Stu? I'm telling you, buddy, this is a new thing. It's coming back, the Scarborough iPhone, buddy. So I'll send you one in the mail. It's in the mail. It's on its way there. It'll be there on the uh, no, 35th no. of February. Keep it. Keep it. Okay. Uh, guys, someone teethed mine because Stewie came with gifts, and I don't have either one of mine. And the beautiful mind of Kevin Bieksa, I have to explain this. I knew that you didn't know where I was going with it, but I come bearing gifts. I must confess, okay? I questioned Bieksa the last time he was on here. He rattled off some random date in February that he was on the show. I questioned it. And after he left, we looked it up. Didn't I realize that I was dealing with Russell Crowe, a.k.a. John Nash, <laughs> a.k.a. Beautiful Mind. Here's the video evidence. One of the last times I was on was February 12th, and we talked about Leafs Montreal, did we not? And that's when the Leafs were soaring high, and they were by far the best team in the North, and they were the best team in the North in the regular season. I just said, in a playoff series against Carey Price and Montreal, I just don't like their chances. I don't know if it was February 12th, but I do remember you coming on and saying this Cavs team was built for the playoffs, and they are showing it thus far. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it, as always. And when you move back to Canada, you better be watching Tim and Friends. What was it not February 12th? Did I just make that day up? I don't know. I, I don't like know I where the hell you pulled that from. You have, like, <laughs> photographic actually, memory. It was That's the first exactly week of the was... regular season that I heard him say that, that they're better built for the playoffs than I, the Leafs. He how, said did that. You, how did you get February 12th? Like... Are you like the Mr. Wonderful and you're writing it. stuff on the glass? Montreal's built to win in the playoffs. And, you know, uh, Toronto is, is built to win in the regular season. I think it's a really tough series for, for Toronto to win four games against Montreal in a, in a tight-checking physical playoff series. I had no idea what I was dealing with here. One, my dog made an appearance in that, that clip. How did you know February 12th? 
Well, I don't know. A couple things. First of all, look at the way I dressed the last time I was on your show. Way more respect for what you had going there. <laughs> look what I have today. Second of nice. all, your your reaction was hilarious when I first, uh, just watching the clip now when I watched it, right away, you're just Mr. Skeptical. <laughs> and third of all, like the, the thing you show with Russell Crowe and all the numbers, that's honestly how my brain feels most days. Like there is so much going on in here. Most of it doesn't make any sense. And sometimes everything just aligns and I get something right. So Stu's, Stu's seen my craziness before behind the scenes at hockey night. Sometimes it makes no sense at all, but you know, I got that one right somehow. I can't believe that you knew the number. Like that's ridiculous to me. I don't know. I mean, Sometimes you remember things and sometimes you don't, right? But, Stu, did I not say many times that Montreal would beat Toronto in a series, even when uh, Toronto was by far the best team in the North? You had to give me that at least because you're a diehard Yeah, you did, you did say that, but you didn't put your money where your mouth is. I, I opened up the newspaper to see all the Sportsnet analysts' picks for that round one, and every single person picked uh, the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. I didn't see your name on there. I, I wasn't sure, so that's why I can't be wrong if I don't give an answer. So uh, I can't give you that I, much credit. I wasn't there either. No, <laughs> Stu, I wasn't on that list either. You, me, and Kelly Rudy, I think, were the only three out the of the regulars guys, yeah. that weren't on that list. <laughs> yeah, can't be wrong uh, if you Or they don't just answer. don't care. They don't care what our opinion is, one or the other. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this series. And obviously, Montreal... Um, had the momentum coming in, winning seven straight. Las Vegas plays a great game one, and they come up with the 4-1 victory. I'll start with you, Stewie. Uh, how do the Habs grab momentum back? Well, I think they got to have the start they did last game, and I think for the first 10, 12 minutes of that first period, uh, the fans weren't uh, in it. And it's probably one of the loudest buildings now, especially post-pandemic, and they had them quiet. They sucked the, the air out of the building the first couple shifts. They got to the net. They almost scored a couple. But they got to stick to that same game plan. They were getting uh, Marc-Andre Fleury moving left to right, second and third opportunity. He was scrambling a bit. So that's what they got to do now. So they're a totally different team uh, when they play from behind. I think their goal is they got to come out gangbusters, 10, 15 shots in the first 10 minutes, try to squeak one by because when Fleury's dialed in more than a couple periods, or he's really, really tough to beat. Yeah, so what's, what surprised you most from that game one? Well, first of all, I agree with Stewie. Great start for Montreal, and I remember thinking, and Vegas is the, the loudest building in the NHL right now, by far. I think maybe Nashville would be a close second, but Vegas is certainly the loudest, and I was surprised how quiet they were early and how Montreal actually controlled the play for the first little while, but Vegas got going, and they're the biggest team in the league height-wise and weight-wise. So I was worried that they would basically bully the Montreal forwards, and it took them a half a period to get going, but once they got going, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, Stewie, you noticed this for sure, guys started short-arming the puck a little bit. Guys started getting, the puck wasn't on their stick, and I'm talking about Montreal players, forwards in particular, the puck wasn't on their stick very long. It was get it, slap it away, and try not to get run over. And when you play like that, you never have the puck. You never generate any offense. And that's what Vegas does to you because they're so big and they're so physical. And keep this in mind. Montreal actually out-hit them in the game. Montreal had like five more hits. But Vegas comes, and when they hit you, they hurt you. And everybody hits. And they got on Montreal after the first 10 minutes, and they basically just pounded them in the glass. And there was a lot of older guys and younger guys that I noticed on Montreal that weren't making plays with the puck anymore. You see that, Stewie? I did. 
I did not. Yeah, I did see that. I was listening. Like, you're, you're doing your good, best impression of Elliot Freeman there, just going on and on and on there, <laughs> Juice. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost like, you know, when you're fighting your little brother, there, he gets more hits on you, but then you give him that power punch, and it's a knockout punch. But yeah, the Vegas Golden Knights, they're, you know, you can't get into a, a war of attrition with a team like that because they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. I think for Montreal, they got to stick to their game plan, get in on the forecheck, get back to basics hockey, almost like that New York Islander hockey, because I think that's going to be successful but you're not going to be intimidating guys on the back end. You're not going to be intimidating Carrier and Colasar and especially the heavyweight champ uh, in Ryan Reeves. So they got to stick to their game, but they can't just rely on Carey Price. You know, if he wasn't really standing on his head, a couple big saves in that second period, it could have been a 5-1, 6-1 game. But I think the key is right now, Dom Deschamps is writing on the board 15-20 because he wants 15-20 shots that first period. Does that make the need for Petrie even more of a factor for Montreal? given the forecheck and given how strong this team is in Las Vegas? Well, Stu, what, I, what I was going to say to Stewie's comment there is, isn't it great on Tim's show here how you can basically <laughs> just talk and finish your story? You don't have Spearsy or Marzi in your ear like, wrap it up, wrap it up. Stewie, yeah, wrap it up. Yeah, I love trying, it. I love you're it. trying to talk. and I'm like, I'm trying to tell a story here. <laughs> and it's, but anyways. Only you can, I you get, get that on this show. Here. I know, but uh, Petrie, Petrie is Montreal's best offensive defenseman by far, right? Like, he's the guy that skates the puck. He's the guy like a Sergei Zubov. That's, that's who I remember early in my career. Zubov was the guy who controlled the whole flow of the game as a defenseman. Had the puck on a stick, held onto it, made great outlet passes, controlled everything. And Petrie has that same ability. Without him in the lineup, you have a bunch of defensemen that play hard defensively, but they don't really move the puck as well as this guy. This guy's pretty special with the way he moves the puck. They need him back in, but when you have a broken finger or a mangled finger, whatever he has, because he got it caught in the uh, photographer hole, which I thought was ridiculous. I can't believe more people didn't complain about that. Like that photographer. First first of all, we should figure out who he is. Second of all, plug the (laughs) hole. And third of all, it's going to be hard to move the puck with a mangled finger, so we'll see how effective Petra can be. But they need him in the lineup to win this series. They don't win the series without him. Like, I don't know if he's downplaying it or overplaying it in practice, Stewie, but that practice viz of Petrie doesn't look like he can play in an NHL hockey game. Yeah, it's tough. And I had a wrist injury, and those are one of those things where you can't really, you know, play around. You know, you can play hurt, but you can't play injured, and it looks like an injury. And I just want to apologize to uh, Elliot because uh, – he said he caught a stray bullet there and it really hurt his feelings. But uh, back to the show here with Petrie. Uh, the one part I think they really, really need him is on the breakouts. He's one of the good puck moving defense, but he could come skate through the neutral zone. And I noticed with Montreal, they just could not break out because of the back pressure by Vegas. They're one of the best teams in back pressure and, and turning pucks over in that neutral zone. So they need him a lot sooner than later. Game time decision. We'll see if he's in tonight. All right. I just want to touch is there, on the is there an echo in here, Stu. Is there an echo in here? <laughs> I want to touch on the other series for a flash before we let you go. And I, I know this could be, I'll start with Kevin. This could be oversimplifying for the sake of TV and doing what you have to do on Hockey Night in Canada where you're talking 30-second bits. But did the Lightning assert themselves in game two or is that just TV speak? No, they did. They did. You could tell from the start that they wanted the game more and there was a little bit more desperation in their game. And, like, not the goals, right? Not the goals, but, like, the goals are skill plays made by skilled players. But it was all the other stuff, like the driving the net, like the scrums and the first first play of the game, first whistle of scrums. And my buddy uh, Ryan Gibbons was the linesman last night. He's, uh, he's a Vancouver boy. He's the only official that lives in California out of all the officials in the NHL. 
so I get to golf with him quite a bit. And I was I had the, the goggles on him. He was breaking up fights all night, taking forearm shivers. <laughs> and I know most people don't care what happens to the linesman unless like you know them or they're your friend. But I had the, the ISO cam on him, and he got beat up in that game because there were so many scrums, and Tampa Bay was just so hungry. But it's funny. Listen, listen to John Scott talk about that fight between uh, Maroon and... and um, Matt Martin there. It was, wasn't the best of fights and it's it's unfortunate that was the only fight out of the game. You would have liked maybe a more spirited fight than that one, but the game as a whole I thought was super entertaining, super physical, super passionate. Uh, before we let you go here, uh, Stewie, I, I left my house uh, in the Don Mills area because uh, I had to go up to work, but it was my son's 11th birthday and I've just been informed that not only is it Cam McAuliffe's 11th, but it is Kevin BX's 40th. <laughs> Officially old. <laughs> does, does does forty hit juice? Oh, you know. Well, you know what I feel like inside. I feel like what Elliot looks like. <laughs> so that, that puts it into perspective for you. Get this man a walker. You're officially old now, there, juice. Eh? You're forty years old. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh, to the we'll do the early bird special now down at the Gordon Cor- Golden Corral down in California. Oh, nice. For the Golden Sizzler. Corral, the, yeah. Do I get a discount now? dinner buffet at the Sizzler. <laughs> uh, happy birthdays to the June 16th crew. Uh, appreciate uh, both of you doing this. Uh, Stewie, stick around for me. BX, uh, we'll let you go. I heard you got another job to do tonight. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Good job, Tim. Stewie, eh. <laughs> Don't Happy worry, birthday, Stu, I got that last time. All right, there is BX on his birthday See going you, out Thank firing you. shots. Uh, maybe we can fire a few back. We'll take the break. We'll come back. Head to Vegas. Myself, Stewie, Sean McKenzie. We'll see what's on the menu tonight with Shiny Mac. Last time it was $7,500 bottles of Remy, plus all the highlights from the Euro 2020. Italy in action and looking good once again. Tim and friends with Anthony Stewart. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Anthony Stewart and the Habs looking for a response in game two tonight in Vegas. It's coming up 9 Eastern on Sportsnet and CBC. 8.30 coverage starts in Sportsnet. Habs had a good start in game one, and Nick Suzuki says it will be a key to recreate that tonight. We want to try and uh, take the crowd out of it as much as we can uh they did a great job of uh creating energy for their team so um just having another good start and uh trying to play that way for 60 minutes all right let's take our first trip of the day down to vegas and on monday sean mckenzie came on the show and he gave us uh a look at the very expensive menu of treats available at t-mobile arena including a 7500 dollars bottle of remy martin so it was an off day yesterday in the series uh, Vegas is wide open. Sean, obviously you stayed in your hotel room, studied up ahead of game number two, correct? Well, Tim, that actually is correct. And to take it one step further, I actually found out I was coming on your show. I sequestered myself off the strip out in the desert mm-hmm. in a nice small motel just to focus to make sure that I was prepared for this <laughs> hit. And I'm not at all lethargic 
due to a 24-ounce dry-aged strip loin and a bottle of Barola. That is what other people are getting into here. Not me. I'm a professional. I'm on Tim and Friends. I have to step up my game. I was at the morning skate today. I was fresh. I was ready to go. And what I saw was maybe the Habs could get some help back in their lineup. Jeff Petrie took part in the practice. So did John Merrill and Jake Evans. Dominic Ducharme, though, said that they are a game-time decision. It was interesting because Petrie was taking part in the skate again. He was talking with the coaching staff. He was talking with the training staff. He did stay out after and usually a sign that he won't go, but he was working on some physical battle drills. He was working on shooting. So uh, does that mean that he's not in the lineup? Does that mean he just wanted to test it a little bit further before confirming he could play? I don't know the answer to that, but we will find out soon. Game time decision for uh, him. It could be a big boost if they were to get him back in the lineup. It's obvious from the visuals, though, Sean, that what he was doing in this morning skate was a lot different than before game one. Like game one, he hardly put the offhand on the stick. Yeah, it's been a pretty big progression for the last three or four days. We first got down here and saw him skate, and he was questionable for game one, and he was barely even passing the puck. He was kind of holding a stick. He was looking very ginger. And then the next skate was a little bit more progressed. He was passing. He was letting some loose wrist shots go. Today, a few more slap shots. And then there was the one drill we waited after. And it, it was him, a coaching staff, and another Habs player where they were just going into the corner and battling. Little pushes, little checks. Uh, kind of what you'd uh, see in a, in a battle drill in the corner. So uh, they're slowly bringing him along. And I guess it's just a matter of what his comfort level is. Is Will he be valuable enough? And it's that risk reward right it's can he be effective or will he be a hindrance so they have to find that uh, comfort zone for him and we'll see if that's tonight so with uh, petrie out uh, there's a couple more uh, minutes for kulak and players like uh, romanov how do you think their game one was and what do they need to, to do more to get this team back in the series if he can't go well, that's the, the question that Dominic Ducharme was asked a few days ago, and almost everyone's saying, well, what do the Habs D have to do to, to match the Golden Knights D? And Dominic Ducharme kind of said, well, we don't necessarily want to match what the Golden Knights do. We don't need them to score two goals. We don't need our D to be massive offensive producers. And he said that would be nice, but he said just be steady. And I think it's a matter of trying to control the Vegas Golden Knights speed. They're a team that, as you guys just talked about, they're heavy, they're fast, they're mean. I think it's trying to keep them to the outside trying to limit those onslaughts where the golden knights they come at you in waves and they hem you in your own end over and over and over again so i, I don't think you need to see the montreal canadians blue line contribute with a couple goals but what i think you need to see them do is uh, not get hemmed in their own end like we saw for long long stretches of game one i don't want to screw this up because uh, last time I, I misquoted the uh the price on the remy martin so the, uh, the, the wine snob bottle that you were talking about earlier, what was that bottle? I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I wasn't talking about wine. You, you weren't talking about wine in any way, shape. And the, raspy voice, a, the, and the raspy voice is simply from yelling at colleagues because it's very loud in that building, right? Honestly, true story. It is 120 degrees here. You step outside and any little bit of moisture that's left in your body gets sucked out of you. Like I could drink 14 liters of water and I walk from the hotel to here, which is like 100 feet outdoors mm -hmm. and I am just parched. It's ridiculous, and that is an honest truth. And you're in here, it's so loud. Mm -hmm. I got to say, like the atmosphere in this building is... It's ridiculous. Like, I, I'm sitting next to a couple colleagues, uh, Mark Masters from TSN, and, like, we are a foot away from each other, and you're almost screaming 
to even have a conversation. It is so loud. Uh, it, it's it's special. It's uh, I know Kevin just mentioned a few minutes ago that it's the loudest building in the league. I would 100% agree with that. And it's not just loud when big moments happen. It is loud the whole game. Like this right. is a it's a nightclub with a hockey game happening. I hope Masters got his haircut in Las Vegas because he's allowed to do it down there. I appreciate your time. The, the, the chops are gone. Are they gone? <laughs> All right, we'll give. We'll, They're gone. This rare would do this for a TSN guy, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, Johnny well, Mac. It's well deserved. Yeah, appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, guys. Uh, there is Sean McKenzie in Vegas, Stewie. So, Petrie is such a key because of this for, and and maybe I'm the only one here, but I'm just. From my view, from my vantage point, Petrie's so big because of the forecheck of Vegas and that first pass so important from your D-men. Like, if he can't go, how big a loss is this for Montreal? Yeah, and that's why it's tough for younger guys like Romanov, who's, you know, he had a pretty big hit in that first period. But yeah. when Vegas is coming in and waves, it gets very, very overwhelming. And I always say the, the playoff time, it's hard. It's very, very hard. And sometimes it gets too hard for some guys and where they're just getting rid of the puck as quick as possible. But where Montreal was thriving with Petrie, you know, he could come around that net, get through the neutral zone and lug that puck. Uh, and it just seemed that they could not get out of their zone last uh, last game, especially through the neutral zone. So hopefully they get him back. They need him big time if they have any chance of of winning this series against the Vegas Golden Knights. All right, we'll continue that conversation in mere moments. John Paul Morosi is going to join us again from Las Vegas. But it's time now for Inside the Lines, brought to you by Sports Interaction, Canada's odds maker, 19 mm-hmm. plus. Please play responsibly. That mm-hmm that you heard is of Jesse Rubinoff, who will take it from here. We're bringing back the pinata picks, Timmy. Oh, look out, Canada. It's U.S. Open starting tomorrow, Thursday. Torrey Pines, the site of Tiger Woods 2008, playing on a torn ACL. So uh, just a refresher. I don't know if Stewie knows or not, but pinata picks, what they are is on Sports Interaction, you can click a button and it will spit out a random player in the field. This week, it's 126 to 1. So you can get anybody in the field. There's 156 guys in the field this week. Anybody in the field is fair game as long as the algorithm spits it out. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, Timmy, this time we crushed it. Okay, so how many names did you ask for and receive at 126 to 1 for the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines? Ten players. Ten players. And it's not like if you get a guy, you can't get the guy again. Right. Which is why, particularly this time around, I'm very happy oh, with how it turned out. smile on this guy's face. Do you right, want to throw the board up so we can go through a, Sounds some very of complicated. Is It's not really it's all not that complicated. It's not complicated at all. Stewie, all you have to do is click a button on Sports Interaction. You put whatever okay. bet you want to put in, yeah. and it will spit out a player. And that mm-hmm. player, whoever it is, whoever it is, is 126 to 1 for this tournament. Mm. So the reason I'm so excited, as you can see, Brooks Kepka, Brooksy, we got him twice. Wow. We got him twice. So, Stewie, I have... Brooks Kepka at 126 to 1 to win the tournament twice. All right, I'll send you an e-transfer here. <laughs> so we got Brooks Kepka, four-time major winner, Rory McIlroy, another four-time major winner, Tony Finau, he's been five times. He's in the always top around. 10. He's always around in the majors. Yeah. Louis Ustazen, Garrick Higo won last week oh, in Bo South Hogg. Carolina. Uh Bo Hogue, I mean I've never, I've never heard of him before, but what I do know, I Googled him, is he grew up 
just a block away from Jack Nicholas's childhood home. So if that's not a, a good luck charm, I don't even, know what it is. Even if it is Hogue, just call him Hog. Like his name's got to be Bo Hog. Like that yeah. right there. And you probably pay baseball as opposed to Yeah, I mean, golf, let's, let's forget about those guys at the bottom because that's basically just lighting money on fire. That's right. exactly what that is. But ideally what you're looking for is under 126 to 1 odds. You've done well. You've okay. done well. And in that scenario, on that board, we did pretty good this time. Let's go Brooksy. Yeah, you're cheering for Brooks Capcut yeah. two times over. Not Brooksy. We're on Team Brooksy this time. Uh, how much did you put down on each one of these? Five bucks. Okay. Come on. <laughs> I'm waiting for the E-Trans. It's not done yet. Stewie. Stewie's What's your free bill? Stewie, it's not done yet. Stewie's upset that it's only five name. bucks. Yeah. All right. Hit me I'll up. BBM you. Hit me up. Love it. I'll BBM you. Like anyone else has a, a tough time rate. getting through. All right. Let's do these Euro highlights so people know what happened at Euro 2020 in 2021. Uh, we'll start with Italy and Switzerland. 19th minute and 36-year-old Giorgio Chiellini. Scores what appears to be his first goal with the team since 2017. However, VAR says handball. No goal. Chiellini subbed off in the 24th minute, disappointed. Uh, but he wouldn't be disappointed for long. Italy was strong once again. Manuel Locatelli buries the one touch to the back of the net. 1-0 Italy at half. 52nd minute. Locatelli again, this time just rips it to the bottom corner. He's got his brace. It's 2-0 Italy. And they kept it going. 89th minute, my guy. Ciro Immobile. You actually pronounce it Ciro. He scores another goal. Italy won 3-0 for the second time in this tournament. And they're already through on a pair of impressive performances. Hopefully they go deep so we can get some more singing performances in the next couple weeks. 42nd minute between Turkey and Wales. Gareth Bale was playing distributor. And man, did it work. Aaron Ramsey. Clinical finish on what was a wonderful pass. 1-0 Wales at the break. 61st minute. Bale with a chance from the penalty spot. Maybe he should have stayed as facilitator. Put it over the bar, one of the world's best. Can't believe it. But in stoppage time, Wales short corner. Bale walks in. Connor Roberts. Finish. Wales with a 2-0. Turkey, who a lot of people had as a dark horse in this, lost their first two matches and sit at the bottom of Group A. So Italy already through, as mentioned, to the last 16. Wales looking good on four points. Turkey and Switzerland meet each other in their final match. Both need to win for a chance to advance. Finland and Russia and Finnish players wearing... Shirts and warm-ups with the message, get well, Christian, for Christian Eriksson. They were on the field when he had his cardiac situation, and they ended up winning that game. Much dispute on whether or not they should have continued and whether the Danish players actually wanted to continue. Russia got their first win of the tournament. 1-0 was the final over Finland today. So Group B looks as such. Belgium, three points on one game played. Denmark, of course, losing that opening match with all that went on. All right, after the break, we head back to the rink in Vegas. Stewie's sticking around. Joel Paul Morosi usually joins us to talk baseball, but he is a man of many talents, and he is in Vegas. I'll explain it all next. We'll chop it up with JP and Stewie next. Tim and Friends, Sportsnet.
Welcome back to Tim and Friends with Anthony Stewart. Game night in Vegas, though, isn't it always? Golden Knights have won five straight since falling behind the Avs. 0-2 in the second round. Here's Vegas coach Pete DeBoer on what he saw from the Habs in game number one. You know what? It's always nice to see a team live and and, and see your game against them. Um, you know, yeah, you have to give them credit. I mean, uh, they, they came out quick. Uh, we anticipated they would. Uh, you know, it was real similar to game one against Colorado. Uh, Colorado was coming off a sweep, sitting there, you know, rested. And, and uh, you know, we had more rest than we had going into game one against Colorado, but we were still coming off an emotional game six. So, you know, I was concerned about the first 10 minutes. And, you know, to their credit, they – they did exactly what they were supposed to do, which was put us on our heels. And, you know, to our credit, we weathered the storm and found our legs. And I thought uh, really played well over the last 40 minutes. Tim McAuliffe with Anthony Stewart. And listen, Stewie, I pride myself on the versatility of this show. In-depth soccer analysis, one block, basketball, the next block. To be able to bounce from hard-hitting topics, you know, other shows are afraid of, to fart jokes. Uh, but our next guest has as much versatility as anyone in the business. On loan from the MLB Network to the NHL Network in Vegas. And that versatility also comes in languages. Our friend, mi amigo, mi compadre, mon ami, John Paul Morosi joins us from Vegas. What's going on, Morosi? Hey, sempre un grande piacere di parlare con voi. Always love uh, catching up with you both. I did hear that highlight. Tim, and you singing some Verdi, which does not happen every day, my friend. Well done. I, I did mispronounce Ciro Immobile. You ha I, I always say Ciro, it is Ciro, and there's a bunch of Italian guys in my neighborhood who are really pissed off at me every time I do it. <laughs> well, listen, the, the bottom line right now, guys, is this. The discussion about who the best goalie in the world is really includes two names, Marc-Andre Fleury and Gianluigi Donnarumma. He has not considered a goal yet through two matches. So it's Gianluigi or Marc-Andre. Take your pick. Uh, well, Carey Price might be pissed off at you, but I'll, I'll stick on the cross-sport <laughs> references here. And speaking of baseball-hockey crossover, any word on the son of former big leaguer Dan Petrie? Well, it does certainly appear that Jeff Petrie is going to be in the lineup tonight for the Habs. He took the morning skate today. He practiced yesterday, uh, a very long practice that we observed. And I, I did see Tim and Stewie. He was really working a lot with his hands, just trying to make sure that he was able to uh, handle the puck and obviously move it around, look pretty good to my amateur perspective. So I would say uh, uh, seems to be healthy and really the Habs have to be hoping that Petrie will give them the same kind of activation on the blue line that Vegas saw from Petrangelo and Theodore in particular in game one. That was a huge part of Vegas's success. A majority of their shots on goal coming from their decor. And Petrie is the guy right now who is best equipped when healthy to deliver that for the Habs. Uh, John, I want to ask a question here quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, there's players that get you to the playoffs and there's other players that get you through. I think for the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, that player is Alex Tuck. How great has he been uh, this series and how fast does he look uh, in person when you get to watch it up close and personal? Incredible, Stewie. And certainly watching this, this series unfold, I'm thinking to myself, he might belong on the U.S. Olympic team. He's that I mean, that good, that, that fast, that creative. And you could see with his body frame, he's able to play low. He's able to play high. That pass he made on the Yanmark goal in game one was as beautiful as you're going to see. Of course, a lot of us love the pass that Theodore made to Martinez, but I think that was just as impressive finding that seam through there. So I think Tuck really, to me, Stewie, he, he illustrates how 
adaptable this Vegas team is. I recall being here and covering the Western Final three years ago, and the talent gap between how good Vegas is now and how good they were then is immeasurable. You think about Tuck is different. He's better. Theodore is better. They've got Stone. They have Pacioretty. They have Petrangel. They have Martinez. It's almost half a new team beyond the one that made it to the cup final. So I think, to your point, Stu, it's a great point about Tuck and his versatility. Huge reason for Vegas' success this year. And another one of those guys that rolled through that development academy down the road from you in Michigan, eh, uh, John Paul? He did. And again, Martinez from Michigan as well. Petrie, Michigan State. I mean, we're everywhere right now, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do the fans in Vegas realize what they're seeing in goal? Because you mentioned Marc-Andre Fleury. Everyone up here has talked about how great Carey Price has been to get them through the North. And even in Game 1, he made some ridiculous saves. Is there an understanding of what we're seeing from the American audience in Price versus Fleury? That's a great question. I certainly think that those of us who love the game and have ever been around it for our lives see these two greats and say they're both going to the Hall of Fame. And how often at this stage of the playoffs do we get a chance to watch a matchup quite like this where both goaltenders really are close to the peak of their powers. And you think about Flurry in particular. He's already got three cups. He's 36. And I, I asked Peter DeBoer earlier today about what he has noticed, maybe that common thread between Flurry and Marty Brodeur, who was 40 when Peter DeBoer was coaching him with the Devils when they got to the final in 2012. And just talking about that love of the game and, and, and that desire to be around the guys. And as Peter said, guys like Fleury, they've already got more money than they need in their lives. It's about being around the sport and loving the sport. And you think about the true greats of this generation and goaltenders who've been, who've been this great this deep into their careers. Fleury, this is his lowest goals against average that he's ever had in a playoff run, ever. And he's got three cups. And, of course, there was some help from Murray along the way, but that's pretty remarkable. And you think about guys that have done it at this age. It's Brodeur in 12. Hashik had a great run with Detroit when he was 42. Guys, we might be still talking about Flower in the 2027 Stanley Cup playoffs at the rate that he's going right now. <laughs> Uh, Cole Caulfield scored his first uh, goal the other night. He seems to get more comfortable as this playoffs go along. How great has he been looking? And do you think he has the potential to be a star in the league sooner than later? He really does, Stewie, and he's a lot of fun for us to watch. When you think about his journey, he played his first game of the year in November against Notre Dame, and then he wins uh, gold at World Juniors, as you did uh, years ago, and then, of course, he wins the Hobie Baker, and then he makes his playoff debut with the Habs, and, and he scores his first goal in the semifinals. So pretty remarkable to think about his journey already, and I think what we're seeing now from Caulfield is the creativity to find space where there isn't a lot of it. And of course, at this round of the playoffs, there's not a lot of space, and, and you're seeing him work really well with Suzuki. Toffoli is sort of the the veteran on that line now and is really I think showing the two younger players the way but I think we're seeing more and more and Dominic Ducharme has spoken about this uh, Caulfield's aptitude to learn to want to get better he's showing up here with a with a smile on his face you can see it just even at watching him at morning skating and practice he loves being on the ice he loves learning about the game and of course his dad Paul the all-time leading scorer at Wisconsin Stevens Point so a very offensively talented family the Caulfields I love talking hockey with John Paul Morosi but I got to get to your side hustle for a second Morosi um, this story yes. about the substance <laughs> use in Major League Baseball and the pitcher's reaction specifically to what Major League Baseball came out with, how do you think this plays out over the next little while and how much of it is tied to the CBA and this internal fighting that seems to never stop in Major League Baseball? 
Well, it's, it's great questions, Tim, and there's a lot of layers to this story. I think that we're only at the beginning stages of this unfolding situation and really learning the magnitude of these changes. We saw Tyler Glass now this week speak very authentically about his belief that the, the removal of substances and his ability to use them has contributed to his injury. And he is one of the bright young pitchers in the game. He's a very intelligent person, really analyzes the game well. So for him to say that really, I think, gives a lot of people pause about what this is going to do to the pitchers around the game. I also think, in general, it can also be true that the game needs some kind of fix and that the pitchers have had, because of substance use at the, at the mound in terms of this, the grip, and then also, uh, obviously, overall, the velocity and, and the way that batters have been approaching things, we're at a spot now where the game is not at its most visually appealing. Yeah. Honestly, it's not that dissimilar from the where hockey was coming out of the lockout. They had to make some changes. It was painful for a while. Baseball, I think, right now, guys, at a similar spot. It's going to be uncomfortable, I believe, for several weeks to come. Uh, always appreciate the versatility. Um, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. I was going to say it in Italian. And grazie mille. Mille grazie. Mille grazie. Grazie mille. E prego. E piacere tutto mio. E ci parliamo presto. We'll do it again real soon. And uh, a pleasure, Tim and Stewie, to speak with you both. Thanks so much. <laughs> Stewie, did you get any of that? I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Be well, Morosi. Grazie. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, there is. <laughs> John Paul Morosi covering the <laughs> NHL for us. Did you uh, did you see this baseball story? And is there anything similar that hockey players use, like some sort of tact? Or I know some guys used to wear gloves underneath their gloves or something along those lines. Like, was there anything that you used that was similar? Or did you go old school in the back and get that burn? I know you didn't have to do it because the stick manufacturers came out and it's not like 1970, but where you got the burner and you started molding the stick a little bit more. No, I was the guy that uh, drank two five-hour energies in a Red Bull, and I actually had a panic attack one game, so I had to lower the dosage to one and a half. But I know a guy, there's a rumor, not a rumor, it's a fact that there's a guy in the National Hockey League he used to eat Icy Hot. So it's called Flexol is the hockey version, but he used to eat it before the game. So I'm not sure if that gave him an advantage, but uh, I don't recommend eating Icy yeah. Hot in any sense of the word. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or getting it on certain parts of your body, never mind your throat. Please do not try that. Yeah, those that. eyeballs. Yeah, not in your eyeballs. Nope. <laughs> yeah, there and some other pods. Uh, Stewie's going to stick around for last call. We'll do it next. Ruby, Stewie, and Timmy? All right, I'll take it. Last call's <laughs> next. Tim and Fred. The music means one thing. It's Last Call. Tim McAuliffe, Anthony Stewart, Jesse Rubinoff. Take it away, Last Call. What's up, Timmy? What's up, Stewie? Uh, we showed the highlights earlier in the show. Felix Auger Aliassime beat Roger Federer today in the second round in Germany. Grass court tournament. Federer has won 10 times. Tim, with Wimbledon less than two weeks away, is this result more a good omen for Felix or a bad omen for Federer? I don't know. I honestly, I, I know you're not supposed to say this on shows like this. I don't know if this is Federer not being in the shape that we assume that he would always be in, even yeah. at the age of 39. I think it's a little combination of both is what we saw today. But I think we'll find out at Wimbledon because we were talking to Rash about when these guys are going to fall off. And part of me thinks this might be the start of the Federer fall off. Yeah, it's just it's another bad omen for Federer coming off of the way he bowed out in yeah. the French Open. So it's not looking good for 
for the Raj. Okay, staying with tennis. A disappointing day for Bianca Andrescu, who lost to Francis Alize Cornet in straight sets in Berlin. Bianca twice fought back from 4-1 down, but ultimately lost 7-6, 7-5. Now, today was also Bianca's 21st birthday, and the tournament organizers decided to serenade her after the match, even though she didn't really seem to be in the mood for oh, it. Oh, no. That's going to be uh, Bieksa today when his wife's singing happy birthday for his 40th. He's getting the cake. He's just like, oh, my gosh, I'm 40 years old. <laughs> Cut or uncut, Stu. He's singing happy birthday to someone while they're crying. Yeah, but uh, she's had some injury problems, but uh, she's very, very young. She's going to bounce back. She's uh, Canada's darling. She's great. She's great. All the best to her. Tough as nails. I was... Awkward as hell. Yeah, that's yeah. tough as nails. I might be tougher than losing the match, to be honest. It's a tough moment. <laughs> Sitting there. Uh, yeah, just have to have to endure that. Uh, the Denver Nuggets were eliminated by Phoenix on Sunday, and reigning MVP Nikola Jokic is already back in his native Serbia, where he's getting back to his other passion, harness racing. That's right, harness racing. Jokic got into the sport as a teenager and even spent some time as a jockey. Not a jockey. He spent some time as a jockey and currently owns six horses. Tim, should this be a violation of his contract? That's a dry. Listen, I grew up with standard bred horses and harness racing. No, this should not be uh, uh, some sort of violation of his contract. It's not a jockey. It's a driver. A driver sits in the sulky and guides the harness horse racers. Uh, I, I am perfectly okay with this in any way, shape, or form. I'm a horse dude and proud of it. But I don't know how you have a seven-footer in the sulky. It's yeah. just a weird yeah, that, look. That horse looks like it's struggling a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Gotta lose a couple LBSs there. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's how you train your horses. You put the seven-foot 270 on there. Nice way to decompress off of the loss. <laughs> yeah. Just go for a little stroll behind the horse. As we told you earlier, Jason Spets signed a one-year contract extension with the Leafs today. The deal is for the league minimum, $750,000. And Spezza was asked about signing such a team-friendly deal. Yeah, I know where the team's at uh, with, with the cap and everything. And I'll be honest, all I care about is playing on a good team and just trying to win. So if I could take less, I would. You can't. Stewie, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. is there a team you've uh, come out of retirement for, Stewie? Uh, maybe. But uh, the one thing I do want to say, uh, sorry, Ottawa fans. Jason Spezza now is Toronto's, and he's officially going down in history as a Toronto Maple Leafs. Wow. Oh. That's a hot take to end the show. Doctor, we've got like 22 seconds left in the show, and you're claiming Spezza as a Toronto Maple Leaf? Oh, yeah. See you later. I'm out of here. With <laughs> <laughs> a hit and run from Stewie. Uh, thanks, buddy. Always appreciate you doing thanks this. Thanks a lot. So good. Uh, there is Anthony Stewart, Jesse Rubinoff. That is it for us. A reminder, Hockey Central coming up 8 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet. The Jays and Yankees coming up, Sportsnet 590, the fan, and over on Sportsnet 1. Thank everybody for watching, and uh, send all of your tweets to Stewie, Ottawa. That wasn't me. That's Stu Monroe. I'm fired today.